Hello friends, and welcome to this week's installment of Bloomington Spirits. I'm your host, Josh, and today we have everyone's favorite cats aficionado, Sam Sanderson. Uh, fun fact for you guys, this is actually the second time that I interviewed Sam Sanderson. Uh, he was my first, uh, second guest uh, right after Cass in the first initial recordings of this podcast, but that recording is lost to the ether, sadly, uh, due to some awful sound issues that we had. But hey, we got to fix all of those and have even a better conversation than we did that time. Today, uh, we get to talk about his passion for theater and how it's always kind of been inherent for him, his time in New York over the summer, and of course, his thoughts on the Cats trailer. I mean, how could we not talk about it? We had to. It's one of those things where if I didn't bring it up, I would hate myself for the rest of my life. Uh, but guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, please sit back, grab your favorite drink, and enjoy. Well, hey, man. Round two uh, for uh, for our listeners here. Exactly. Full disclosure. Yeah. Uh, I'm having some deja vu. Yeah, this is funny. Uh, Sam actually was my second person I ever interviewed for this podcast, but we had some audio issues uh, come up, and so we are here. I also hated half of what I said, and I said, please let me do it again. <laughs> so here so. we are. Yeah, it, took a, it took a little bit, like a month and a half uh, to... You know, since May. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wait. Oh, it was May. Holy cow! I thought it was over the just like you know sometime in the summer since. uh, Oh wait, you were gone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So like, it feels like yesterday. Wow. It kind of does. Well, hey, palate cleanser. So here we go. So here we are. A lot has happened since then. A lot has happened. I'm excited to dig into it. Um, What are we drinking today, buddy? Today we are drinking some good old fashioned Coca Cola. For those yeah. of you at home who cannot see, Josh t- just took a pretty good swig out of oh, yeah. this glass bottle. You know, I haven't had a glass bottle, like a black, a Coke, a Coke, or any like really kind of soda. I mean, I don't drink soda that much, right? Um, but it's the first time I've had one in a glass bottle in a long time. And I remember whenever I was a kid, I would collect those, especially root beer bottles. Yeah, I don't know why weird, but like I was, I, I still have a few in my room. Actually. I mean, I have a Coca Cola glass bottle on my dresser yeah. that I use for decoration. I think they're pretty cool. Yeah, it's classy. It's, it's, it is it is cool. It kind of harkens back to times of, I don't know, you know, yesteryear. I mean, it takes me I back to... I feel like to, we're both old souls, so... Well, exactly. I mean, it takes me back at the very least to, like, the 50s, yikes, but also... <laughs> Um, like those commercials in the movie theaters where the polar bear is drinking oh, right. Coca-Cola yep. out of a glass bottle. Yeah. Or the Santa and the polar bear. Santa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I feel like it's probably just, you know, a mind thing, but I definitely feel like there is a taste, uh, like a better taste when it comes in just a glass bottle. But I feel like that, like I said, it's probably just a... Well, your brain playing tricks on you as we're learning in sound design it a lot of it really is psychological yeah so yeah we uh we're uh in the aesthetics of sound design class t447 it's great hey um you know just a quick plug for any under uh, other underclassmen who are listening or anything if you guys are trying to get out of crew credit take that class because you don't have to have a crew credit for it and it still counts for yep. your uh theater i mean for your uh, tech class so check yeah. that out yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, we're learning a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I like, I have, I've begun for every podcast, Sam episode that we do. I almost always refer to another podcast. So I guess today we'll talk about 20,000 Hertz. Sure. Because it's a really cool podcast, guys. Like, I mean, I'm kind of, it's kind of turning me into a sound file or whatever the, like something like something that. like yeah. that. But sure. yeah, file. I mean, we, Andrew has uh, assigned us like part of our homework assignments are to listen to this podcast where just, you know, we dive into the different aspects of sound and there's this one where it's essentially talking about sound seasoning and we dive into like all the different sounds that can like make humans react. Certainly they bring up the example that everybody knows of chilies in the eighties when they, Oh yeah. When they first started with the fajitas yeah. and all this stuff and people would, you know, walk out with the sizzling things and everyone would be like, Oh gotta have one of those my favorite example from that episode was um you know like when you take a bite out out of like a bag of chips Mm -hmm. and there's a really crisp crunch versus like a really dull almost smooth crunch sound yeah absolutely definitely the first one is a lot more appetizing because that's actually the only kind of asmr that i am into (laughs) yeah they had a funny asmr episode too they did Uh, dive into the science about that a little bit but hey you didn't come to hear us plug other podcasts. She came to hear us talk about our podcast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, um, 
All right. Let's go back to the beginning for you, Sam. The beginning. You're oh, from gosh. you're from Twin Cities, Minnesota. Yes, from the, from that the is Twin correct. Cities area. The Twin and, Cities is Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah, and you guys, that's a pretty great theater community up there, isn't it? It is. It really is. There is a lot of really, really terrific theater that happens in the Twin Cities, and there's a lot of really terrific experimental theater that happens in the Twin Cities. Interesting. Tell me more about that. Um, that's about all that I can tell you because <laughs> I, right. well, I never it. really, no you know, because I moved into it, right. to Indiana when right. I was 18. But um, did you ever see um, any like cool experimental stuff or did you... I mainly by experimental. The only stuff that I ever saw was experimental productions of known plays. Gotcha. The, when I was a senior in high school, I saw a really ex- interesting production of The Normal Heart. Oh, I love um, that. play. Which was it was really cool. And it kind of. For the Broadway nerds at home, it kind of reminded me of that um, that one Sweeney Todd revival where they had the buckets of blood that they would pour every time someone died. It was right. the Patti Lapone revival. Yeah, I think I, I think I remember seeing. Oh, right. we talked about it in Rich's uh, musical theater analysis. I'm pretty sure. I'm sure we did. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it was a very interesting production where there were like these buckets of blood everywhere, and every time someone died, they would like they were dressed in all white the whole evening, and they would dip their hand in this bucket of you know fake blood. And then like smear it all over their white costumes, mm. and it was so interesting. Every time someone That's died, wild. it was very, very powerful. Man, so you can I mean you have a very strong theater community background. Like, do you did you start in community theater? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, I first started in dance class when mm. I was four years old at a at a studio on like the rec lines, and then I moved up to the competition lines, and then when I was. 11 well age of 11 (laughs) yeah when i was 11 uh i auditioned for my very first show which was a community production of Susical the musical Uh, hey that was my first musical as well which we we talked about that on the last i think we did on the last episode the unaired episode yeah the unaired (laughs) which you guys will never hear and it actually won't because i actually deleted it because I needed space on my computer. <laughs> We've all been there, <laughs> yep. Joshua. We've all yep. been there. Uh, but that's cool. Yeah. Who, who did you play in Susical? I played JoJo in Susical. Right, right. Okay, now it's all coming back to me. Yeah. We totally talked about it's that. Because that was mine as well. Back to me. Um, you know, funny story for you listeners. Uh, in my first experience doing a musical when I was playing JoJo, it was closing night of the show. I think I've told you this story. Something and is coming back. Yes. Oh, I and think I know so what this ends I, yeah. Oh, yes, you do. And so I was one of those kids who I would not like eat breakfast in the morning and then I'd get just like super hungry and at lunch I would just like devour everything. And so we had a two show day and my mom was like, hey, remember you should eat breakfast before you get to, uh, you know, the show. I didn't, of course. And we get pizza and coffee and like all this jazz during intermission. I mean, during uh, in between shows, between the uh, afternoon and the evening show, and I'm just scarfing all of this Little Caesars pizza so much. And okay, but like so delicious. You like Little Caesars pizza? I when feel you're like it's under like cardboard. The influence it tastes. <laughs> it tastes okay, good. Okay, well, I think anything tastes good under the, especially Pizza X. So well, and, and why else are they successful? That's the truth. Anyways, um, so I have, you know, bloated myself with carbs and grease and cheese, and we are mm. uh, at the end of the first act in Susical, and we're all out, the whole cast is out singing this kind of like, I can't remember what the How end. lucky you are, that's reprise. It that's it. And um, I am just feeling the lights, like, getting so hot, and the curtain comes down, and I turn, and I see Melissa, who is, like, my favorite high schooler that I got to work, because I was in sixth grade, and I was, like, looked up to the high schoolers Who and did everything. Melissa play? She was one of the bird girls. Fierce. And she goes, Josh, are, are, are you okay? You look, like, white like a ghost, and I'm like, I'm fine, and I walk off stage, and immediately projectile vomit everywhere backstage and oh, it was so bad because i know and uh one of the um janitors who worked at my elementary school did all the stagehand stuff and so she was like oh poor josh oh come here and she was like started cleaning up and stuff and they held they held they held intermission for like 25 minutes or something oh like my that gosh but then we went we got back and we did it and it was and great and then you did a and second show <laughs> yep and the, well no that was, oh, that that was, was the right in, That's yeah the, that was in the second show one. yeah but yeah, I've been to finish it out, you know. The show must go The on. show must go on. Yeah, but uh, that's... So anyways, enough yeah. about that little funny <laughs> side story. 
Um, but Stories are so interesting. Yeah, that's absolutely. why we're here. That's why we are here. Um, I I feel like coming from a community that's so like really values the tradition of theater. I feel like I can really it, may, it makes a lot of things click for me with you of just like the passion that you have for theater. Like I have a lot of people on this podcast, uh, Taylor, for instance, who I had last week and we share a thing, Taylor and I were, you know, we theater wasn't like our first love, but it was our closest outlet. But I know, I feel like for you, it may be dance, but I feel like theater has always been there for you. Well, I mean, I feel like dance was the first I mean, this is so artsy fartsy, you guys, but I feel like dance is the first language that I learned when it comes to creative expression. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, like, the theater is really where I feel most at home because I'm right. at the end of the day, I'm actually all about the acting. Mm. You can be like, I mean, I prefer to hear a good singer, obviously, but I just, I feel like most people would. Right. But um, you can be an all right singer. But if your acting is interesting and if you're acting and if the work that you're doing it is active. I mean, just look at all of 60s and 70s musical theater. Exactly. <laughs> but as yeah. long as like the work that you're doing is active, like I am really interested. You'll yeah. keep my attention, which is when you're a group of people sitting alone in the dark, it's kind of important to keep someone's attention. Absolutely. And speaking of like keeping attention, I this is something that's kind of been on my mind a lot lately of just kind of the changing landscape of how, you know, we um, ingest entertainment on like a, uh, you know, nation, national level. Yeah. Uh, And I was reading this article that Broadway lost a lot of money last year on um, shows, uh, something like, um, I don't know, I think it was like $50 million worth of investment pooled between shows and stuff like that. And, um, I don't want to say Broadway's dying because I don't think it ever really will. But what do you think? They've is like, been saying. Yeah, they've been saying that forever. They've been saying it since like Andrew Lloyd Webber came to Broadway. Okay. Right, and right. then he revived musical theater in the 80s, right. depending on who you ask. So what do you think um, needs to be done now to kind of revitalize the theater uh, for, you know, this next generation of America? Especially like what hopes to be post-Trump era America. I mean... This is such a long conversation to be had. And frankly, I hey, don't know why we're here. too much about the financial side of Broadway in particular and the right. musical theater. I do know, however, that um, success, uh, what is, don't mess with, with success mm-hmm. is like kind of the mantra, which right. is why I feel like we're seeing so many movie adaptations mm. on Broadway these days. Which some are really, really, really delightful. Yeah, like I'm very excited to see the Prince of Egypt. Yeah, like, and I'm, well, even like Tootsie, which yeah. was this. I lo- I mean, Tootsie has been called problematic in some elements, mm-hmm. and I think that is a discussion to be had. But I loved Tootsie. I thought it was really, really fun, and the yeah. book was really terrific. And then there are other movie adaptations that you know came out in recent seasons that were. Less than really, really, really fun. Yeah, like, so, like Groundhog Day. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but <laughs> those are your words. Yes. Because um, I'm not about bashing anyone here. But Oops. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> Whatever. No, but, um, but, um, but, um, they're not going to listen to this. It's okay. <laughs> um, I have plenty of other shows and hey, racing through my mind. They're on Broadway anyway. They, you know so what? They're doing a they're, little bit better because yeah, they made it to complain. Broadway. Yeah. But um, so I feel like at least step one, there are all of these movie adaptations, mm-hmm. which artistically is kind of draining the Broadway landscape. Um, yeah, it's draining the Broadway landscape to an extent. But I would also love to see... No, I, excuse me. To that end, I would love to see um, more original work. Absolutely. Everyone was really, really excited yeah. the year of the 2017 Tonys because, number one, it was a really, really packed year. It was. But it was a really, really packed year with new original musicals. Dear Evan Hansen was that year. Come From Away was that year. Great Comet was that year. Yeah. And then there a real, were real powerhouse year. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge year. It mm-hmm. was a huge year, and a number of those shows are still running. Yeah, and I f- and I feel like they also really broke the the zeitgeist. They kind of poked through, you know, the no. the normal media world, especially Dear Evan Hansen. But I think a lot of that's 
I've mostly because of Ben Platt, I think, right. which well, I mean, right, rightfully so. Come from away though. No one is yeah, talking about absolutely. come from away these days, even though it's still running and it's selling very, very well. It was my favorite show of the season. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite show of the season. And you know, we're recording this, you know, like a week after um, the 18th anniversary of the, of the September 11th attacks. Yeah. But even so, like I saw it in March and I still, and it was my second time seeing it and I still cried like five times just because yeah. of how powerful you, th- it, the show, even though it's not about the attacks explicitly, there are moments that can it, within your own mind conjure those images mm-hmm. that we've seen on the news. Absolutely. And it's, and then paired with the characters' stories, it can still be so powerful. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I've never seen this show, but even listening through the soundtrack, you can totally hear that. I mean, even yes. in the moments like uh, between the, uh, I don't remember where where they're from, but um, Gander, Newfoundland. No, 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 no. Uh, the the uh, uh, there was somebody on the plane oh, that one of the hey. Newfoundlanders uh, uses the Bible. Uh, and oh, like yes. quotations from oh, the he, Bible as ways it to, was to a, communicate. A family here, from Africa. It. Yes. And the, I mean, to spoil the show, there's the scene and there's, they're like on the bus in the middle of the night being driven from the airport in Gander to like the, basically the community center where they're going to be held up, like kept for, yeah. for the week because, you know, the airspace was closed and so all these planes were landed. And so there's this family um, well, it's actually like a whole bus full of people right. f- who had come from Africa and they don't speak a word of English. And the bus driver says like, okay, like you're here, like get off the bus. And outside they see people in Salvation Army uniforms. Right. But then the, because the the guests don't know what the Salvation Army is, they think they're a bunch of like soldiers. Right. And so they're like not going to get off. And then the bus driver saw that there's that one of the women on the bus is holding a Bible. And so he points, he takes the Bible and he opens it up to a page in Leviticus. I forget what. Yeah, I can't remember what the passage is, but the Bible that she's holding, even though it's within her language, still has the same numbering system. And so he points to the exact passage that he knows that in the English Bible would translate to be scared for nothing. Right. And then she understands Oh, be scared for nothing because, and that's to quote the show. That's how they started speaking the same language yeah. by and using it, Bible quotes. And it's a gorgeous moment like that. And I, I, I cried. Yeah, I, I was no, I was listening to the recording, and that happened, and I started like getting teared up. It's, it's one of those moments where I think that there's, um, it, it's not even like on just a religious level, just like of a human connection level. Exactly. That uh, I think moments in theater can really capture. My point make it very being, palpable. Yeah. My point yes, being, I would love to see more pieces like Come From Away that pe- people learned about it as like a 9-11 musical, mm-hmm. which was concerning, but it's really not a, a 9-11 musical. Right. And therefore, I would love to see more pieces in the future that deal with topics that for a long time we're really scared to talk about. Right. But actually, even though it's a very tragic event. The story itself of the musical is actually incredibly uplifting. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like at this moment, those pieces do us no harm as a community. Absolutely. And you spent a lot of time in New York this summer. I did. Yeah. At the, uh, um, I did Sorry, the <laughs> Stella Adler. Con- uh, <coughs> you good? Apologies. Yes. I had a little, had to clear a little thing, but yes, You're Stella good. Adler. I, yeah. I well, I was really trying to uh, gun for that the summer after our sophomore year. Oh yeah. Um. That, but I I love Stella Adler. I've read you know her books and stuff. She's one of my favorites, right behind Uta Hagen. She's a cool but, gal. Yeah, they're both cool yeah. gals. So we never we never, haven't really got to unpack what your uh, experience was like at that um, uh, in, uh, intensive. So yeah. What are some like big you know bullet point things of what you learned in your time there? Um, my. First favorite memory. I'm just going to list memories from that, from those six weeks. My first favorite memory was when I retaught Julia Murney her Wicked track while she was doing <laughs> while she was doing a Q and A with us after a master class. Because uh, she was Please like, "Please do ask, explain." <laughs> uh, well, so like she was like telling stories of like she was the f- and for the for the listeners at home, could you explain? Yes, Julia Murney. She was um, she played Alphaba in Wicked. She. I think was the very first replacement on the tour. So like way back in like 2006. Right. And then she subsequently took over as Alphaba on Broadway 
maybe the following year or something like that. But very, very early in the history of the show. She was maybe like the fourth actress ever to play Alphaba ever. So very early on. Yeah. But um, she was like telling stories about how like she, like this really dramatic story of how the first time she had to call out mid-show. And she was like, so like I finished this song and I'm like, crap, I can't leave the stage. And I walk over to the other side of the stage to start... um, um, and from the back of the room, I go, what is this feeling? Which is the name of the song that she couldn't think of. Right, right. And then there was another moment where she was talking about how the defying gravity flying contraption uh-huh. didn't work for the first time for her. Yeah. And she goes, she said, like, they try to trigger the lift to go on the same line every night. And so I go back and I whip the cape over and I this and that. And then it's, what line was it? What line was it? And I, again, from the back of the room, I go, it's not her. She has nothing to do with it, which is the line that the lift usually starts on. I love it. That's so, so great. That was memory number one. In terms of, you know, the acting, why right, I was right, there. Right, um, The important stuff. Big standout was, well, first, I did a master class you know, like every week they would bring in a guest to do right. a master class. And you were there of, for six weeks. Correct? I was there for six weeks. So they, over the six weeks, they brought in, yeah, six guests. And halfway through the program, I got to sing for Telly Leung, mm. who I really, yeah. really admire. For, and, and for the listeners, if you could. For the listeners who don't know, Telly Leung was, he did many things on Broadway. He has done many things. He was at one point, Angel in Rent on Broadway. He recently did In Transit. That's right? the uh, that's the acapella the, uh, the acapella show, right? subway musical. Right. Um. He well, and then what else did he do? He did um the revival of Pacific Overtures. He nice. did many many things. I, yeah. I'm it's slipping my mind at the moment, but he has a really 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 extensive resume. Yeah. Cool. Um. And so I sang for him and. Uh, I will not disclose the song that I sang <laughs> today. Maybe the next time I come back for attempt number three. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I sang for him and he gave me a number of notes that actually ended up really turning around my mm-hmm. acting. Do you have one that you like, the really... The most important thing, when in doubt, go out. Mm-hmm. Because something that I had been struggling with in my acting and particularly in my acting of the song is that my lip just bumped your microphone, if that's why you heard what you heard. It's all good. Um, but um, a lot of the time, I would get caught up in like my own personal experience while I'm up uh-huh. here on stage, you know, doing my song and living my experience. But the point of every song is that every song is a fight. Mm. Every song yeah. is about getting what you need from the other person that only you can see right. when you're alone up on stage. Right. And so when in doubt... Go out. Don't make it about yourself. You have to make every beat of that song Mm, about the other person and getting what you need from them. There are moments, of course, where you can, you know, take like do your do your spiel if you're like having a moment. But the, the point of the song is to make it about the other. Right. And then. Highlight number three from Stella Adler, the program specifically, um, was the scene that I was assigned, actually. Oh, um, wonderful. I was assigned to do, you know, like scene into song uh-huh. for musical theater study. We did um, Easy Street from Annie. Ah, great. And, and you were a rooster? I w- no, I was little. Yes, I was rooster. Um, <laughs> I guess that makes sense because the other, yeah, that, wow, I did not think I did not think that one through. No, I'm, <laughs> I thought okay. I was so clever. You were so clever. <laughs> no, but um, it was really, really fun um, because... Sue had told me freshman year actually that I should play rooster and I was like rooster I'm like 30 years too young but now actually like can there be a Broadway revival in a couple of years uh, because I want to play rooster real bad yeah um it was so much fun to play him for sure um and it was really fun too because then we ended up using um the Peter Gennaro choreography oh wonderful and then it turned out that our acting teacher who was like coaching us in our scenes Miss Robin Morse mm-hmm. works with Liza at MSL. Oh, wow. I know. Wow, that's How crazy. Fun. What a small world. I, also, yeah. that's something. Everyone and their mother at Stella Adler loves Liza and Ray. Hey, wonderful. They all love the two of them. Well, hey. I mean, how could you not? I, Liza well, exactly. and Ray are like the, you know. Dream team. Dream team. Two peas in a pod. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I love 
that you got to experience that. I, I feel like there's um, always moments where we have like little bits of breakthrough and even just what I've seen you do in masterclass and just to showcase and stuff. I've already, I have definitely seen like a lot of growth that has happened over the summer. So I'm happy that that was a great experience for you. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah, of course. I mean, when you sang your, your song from baby the other day and in, uh, in showcase, I was like, that's one of the best things I've ever seen Sam do. So Whatever you did this summer. Oh gosh! Yeah. Oh, thank you, jo- oh, golly, oh, go- oh gosh! Thank, thank you, <laughs> yeah, Joshua. Yeah, of course, I of really course. So, besides the time of uh, that you spent with your intensive, which I'm sure that was the majority of your time, how is just New York in general? Being New there for York? six weeks. New York is terrific. New York is really, really, really terrific. I got to experience my very first New York City Pride while mm. I was in the city fun. this summer. And it was really spectacular because it was the 50th anniversary oh, of Stonewall. Stonewall. Yeah. So that was amazing. The parade was, I didn't stay for the whole parade, uh-huh. but the parade itself ran seven hours. That's nuts. On, during Pride wow. Weekend. It ran seven hours. Several million people came into the city for only that weekend. That's to, incredible. For New York Pride. And it was really cool because they also had events happening all over the city all month. They had stuff happening. Wow. They, like, so had essentially the, like, a, like a Pride Month. It yeah. was, yeah, well, for all of June. Yeah, all of Pride Month. Um, it was also really, really terrific to get to learn the city um, mm-hmm. this summer because, you know, in a year, I hope to be, be transitioning there. Yeah. there, if not already there. Right. So it was really, really great to learn, you know, like basic New York learning curves. Memorize the subway, mm. grocery shopping, yeah. where can I print stuff, where can I eat, what is cheap. New York is actually incredibly livable. It's just expensive. Right. At the end right. of the day, it's actually incredibly convenient if you know what you're doing. It's just expensive. Right. Yeah. And that's a big, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's a scary thing, uh, especially yeah. you now with like a lot of economists saying we're teetering on another recession, uh, oh. which is spooky. But uh I, I'm glad that you got to experience that. Uh, I it's funny. I went to New York only for a weekend this past summer, but I realized that I don't think that it's the city for me. Um, okay. Yeah, I. It's not that I don't like it. I love, uh, like you know, all the monuments, all the you know landmarks and everything. Yeah. And I like you know the feel of it, but I just I don't know. It's a little too compact for me. Well, also, the city is, I really learned for the first time, and I really experienced it, like, after spending so much time in the city, but the city is real, can be really hard on you. It really is. Because mm. I didn't realize until four weeks in how claustrophobic I felt. Yeah. I realized, like, a number of weeks into the program, I finally, like, went on a walk along the river, and I realized, oh, gosh, I haven't seen the sky in weeks. Right. Because you're constantly either inside or surrounded by tall buildings or right. tall billboards or, or everything. Right. So it was actually the first time that I had seen a large expanse of the sky in a long time. Yeah. And then there are, you just, if you're having a bad day, which happens to anyone, it just gets compounded because everyone in New York is just so like, and even you get into that habit too when you're in the city. Like you get your stone face on, and you're just like, and you power walk to where you need to be, and you right. got your New York protection right. and on. You're, and you're and you're like, I want to prove myself to New Yorkers that I'm that I'm the real deal, and I'm not just a little tourist. New York, do you care? <laughs> yeah. But like when you're having that, like a bad day like that, and then you're like wearing your New York armor. Right. Everything ca- that can go wrong will go wrong. I mm-hmm. had a day, not even halfway into the program. Where, you know, for a number of our classes, we had to wear all black because uh-huh. they were like the Stella Adler core classes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and a number of the teachers can be really, really, really strict about your wearing your blacks. You have to be able to move, and they have to be all black without logos, this and that. And yeah, so wow. I'm on the train, and it's like 8.30, and I have class at 9.30, and my train commute was about an hour long. And I realized, shoot, I completely forgot to pack my blacks. What am I going to do? What stores are going to be open when I get off the train? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I sprint. I get off the train, and I sprint to an Old Navy, and miraculously it was open, and I got my stuff. And then I walk into class with, like, maybe – and my first class of the day didn't require blacks. Mm -hmm. But um, I walk in, and I set my stuff down, and I sit down on a folding chair, and it goes out from underneath. No. And then I'm like, oh, how funny – 
and then I'm like a little frazzled. Right. And I pick up another chair. And five minutes before the end of class, that chair goes out from underneath Weird. me. Weird. And then <laughs> I think that was also the day where I was like eating my lunch. It had been raining and it was so humid. And so I was eating my lunch and I spilt my lunch everywhere. Man. And then, and then what happened? I'm sure something else happened. Something Which else happened. There's a lot of very that weird odd occurrences. And then when I got off the train and I'm five blocks away from my apartment, downpour oh yeah downpour and it was yeah wasn't letting up was not letting up those i think uh that's a mixture for a bad day that's a mixture for a bad day but the thing is but then when you're just in the city and you're like only breathing city air Mm -hmm. and everyone around you looks crabby the city can end up actually being really hard on you yeah so that's when i'm sure the low days make the high days actually even higher oh i'm sure i'm sure and hey high as a skyscraper as you know exactly yeah 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 that's great uh i i feel like that's going to be a great fit for you i'm very excited to see i mean i might not be joining you out there out east but i really am excited to see you know what helps you thrive out there because it, it definitely you I mean the passion and love for that city shines through you so oh thank i'm excited you, to see what that does for you i'm excited to see what you're gonna be up to <laughs> well, well see. yeah i'm excited to see like all the amazing things that you're gonna do because oh, well, i know that you. no matter where you end up you're gonna be so wonderful thanks buddy i you're appreciate welcome. that hey guys Josh here. I'm going to take a quick break in the show because I'd like to start a new segment. Uh, you know, we have a lot of guests on this show doing a lot of different things, and we get to, you know, hear about what they're doing and get they get to plug their shows. But I just want to remind everybody about things that we have going on right now. Uh, this weekend, which is the weekend of September 26th, is the opening and start of the wonderful season for both UP, the University Players, and for the main stage season at IU. For UP, they are killing, uh, starting off the season with She Kills Monsters. I just saw it tonight, and guys, it was a hysterical ride. If you don't have your tickets, please go get them. Check them out. The link is on the University Players website. And guys, I haven't gotten to see By the Bogs of Cat, By the Bog of Cats yet, but I have heard only stellar things, and I cannot wait to see what people like Elise Chase, Sean Poop, Sam Ron, uh, all that whole that whole gang, Chris Planka. Uh, Glennis, it's a great gang, and I'm excited to see some of the art that they put on up there. So please go get your tickets, uh, theater.indiana.edu. I'm sure half of you guys got to go see them for class anyways. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to highlight some of the shows that are going on right now. Um, but guys, anyways, without further ado, back to the pod. So now you you have had the awesome experience over you know at Stella Adler and everything, mm-hmm. uh, and you're now you're going to be in Big Fish playing mm-hmm. one of the big leads in that. Uh, how has it been you know getting to? I mean you've mentioned before that you get to part of the in, uh, intensive is that you choose a character to kind of you know study and work on over the course of your time there. Yeah. Um, and you chose your character for Big Fish. What was that like getting to you know kind of dig in a little bit beforehand? Um, that was really really cool, and I'm really glad that I did that because. Um, well, like Joshua said, like for one of the Stella Adler classes, we were asked to pick a character from a play or a musical, and we would work on the different steps of developing that character from page to stage. And like Joshua said, I chose Will from Big Fish, which I'm doing right now. And what was actually really powerful about um, exploring Will in June and July, and then taking half of July and half of August to not think about theater. Yeah actually allowed me to just become a lot more used to the idea of everything that Will is about and everything that Will believes in just felt more comfortable once I actually walked into the rehearsal room with the IU cast mm-hmm. in, in at the end of August. Can you give me like an example of something that you think clicked for you that you're glad that you had in your back pocket going into the process? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of silly, but um, one thing that I actually like really concerned myself over... Um, during the summer and not necessarily that I worked on while I was at Stella Adler, but something that was definitely on my, my mind at Stella Adler was like, Oh God, I have to convincingly play straight. (laughs) Oh oh no. What am I going to do? Right. But the truth of the matter is like, you actually just don't think about that because Mm -hmm. then once you get, you just get comfortable with your care, with what your character needs and what they're doing to, to the, to their fellow 
characters in the scene. Mm-hmm. All of that business actually just falls away, and you just have to talk like a person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're still a person, just a different your sexuality. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, would that that's a that's a I mean that must be. I mean, I've never, I've never had to play, uh, you know, gay. A different gay, you know, but like uh, or or bi or you know, uh, no. yeah, any of that. But um, I feel like that that just must be a. I don't like an interesting experience. I mean, uh, I'd love to get back to talk to talk about that at some point. Um, but to continue on with our current thread, uh, how rehearsal has been going for you so far? Are you liking the process? I am. Um, it's really, really been terrific actually, because, um, you know, we started that first week doing a lot of music and also during that week we were doing a lot of table work too. Mm-hmm. And table work actually is the most interesting thing to me in the world. Yeah. I love table work because it's too. where like my love for the theater versus singing or dancing stems because the theater, the t- excuse me, the table work is actually where all of the character work happens. Absolutely. And getting all into all of that nitty gritty. Why is Will the way he is? Why is Josephine the way she is? What kind of impact did they have each up on each other? now that they have entered married life, married life and all these things, that is really interesting to me. And it's like a puzzle. Yeah. Which, by the way, I picked up Sudoku puzzles while <laughs> I was in New York. So yeah. that was actually, that's something too that I have like brought with me from Stella Adler to New York or to, to rehearsals here is that Will loves Sudoku puzzles. Mm. So hey, any that's, to nice. the, that's a nice little touch. So like any to the who, like what an interesting, I don't know. Yeah. I just got no, excited I love that. That's that. awesome. Um, what was I saying? Um, table work. Yeah, yes, table um, work. But yeah, the table work has been really, really terrific. And then it just informs all of the work that you're doing once you put the scene on its feet right. a lot more. And it just makes the scene flow and make sense. Yeah. If you know what you're what you need, which like out of your scene partners, which you should have figured out during your table work, it just makes the scene rehearsal when you put it on its on its feet not a breeze because there are still more moments to be found. And, you know, even after this show is done, there will be more moments to be found right later on next time, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the scene rehearsals have been really, really fun. And also because I haven't, other than like class Mm -hmm. in like acting one and two and three at IU, I haven't really done substantial scene work for a show. Right. So you since get to high school. Flex those muscles. So yeah, exactly. That's actually been the most exciting thing nice. to get to finally flex those muscles in a way that I haven't in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Or in a way in a substantial way that I haven't in a really, really long time. What's it like getting to work with Ben? I love Ben so much and I've never had to have get him as a scene partner really, but that must be a blast. Ben, if you're listening and to anyone else who knows Ben and is listening, I say this with all of the love in the world, but this is straight up sabotage that he and I are, <laughs> are performing next to each other because Ben has the most beautiful singing voice, voice of an angel. in the world. And it is sabotage that I am quacking next to him and he's oh, singing stop. like an angel. I'm sure it sounds wonderful. But Ben is a terrific scene partner. Mm-hmm. It's... um. It's been a challenge a little bit because I'm number one. I'm just like, you have such a beautiful singing voice. How can I possibly focus on what I need to be doing when I'm just like <laughs> entranced by your yeah, voice? Yeah. But also, he is a, he is a really really terrific scene partner. But it's also tricky because you know like Ben is so likable and Ben mm-hmm. is so sweet. Anytime you ever go up to him, he always like meets you with a great big grin and he smiles and he gives you a great big hug. But then we when we're in rehearsal, I'm like. I have to be like mad at him. Yeah. And I have to yeah. be like, why aren't you? Why'd you leave me dad? <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty much. Yeah. So like, that's also been a little Did bit you of get a, your of cigarettes. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, maybe they were smokers that yeah. see more to think about. To think Did, about. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, that's, I'm glad I'm very excited what, for the listeners. When does that go up? Big Fish runs on the IU stage at, in the Ruth and Halls at the Lee Theater Building from October 26th to, no, to November 2nd. Woo! And you can get tickets at iutheater.edu. Exactly. I hope to see you all there, Broadway. Go do it. Wonderful. Well, let's hop back in time. Uh, you mentioned that this is your first character playing straight uh, in, in, a, in a little bit of time. Yeah. Um. I mean, arguably, depending on, like, the other little roles that I've right, done in right, IU, right. but, like, subs- but like this character is, like, a big, having a, big a arc, baby yeah, with his yeah, wife. A big so arc like, of the point is, is, yeah. 
what's the, you you came out at a pretty early age correct mm-hmm. what was that like for you uh well i came out when to my parents and su- and to subsequent friends when i was 14 actually we just passed um my anniversary it? of it five year in no 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 the my seven-year anniversary, right? 2012 yeah. was seven yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because uh, I did it right around Labor Day of 2012, right before I started my freshman year of high school. <laughs> no way. That's funny because the uh, yeah. on the first day of uh, high school, uh, my freshman year, my dad opened up his business. And so every, like, uh, subsequent year, so it's just seven years for that anniversary as well. So, wow, I mean, maybe... Your father's business is gay. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I thought that was a really Uh, stupid joke, but I guess not. That got me. That got me. Um, (laughs) Sorry, you were saying. (laughs) So... Um, do you think that was something that you, do you think it was something that you kind of like were nervous about I me? Mean, did you know oh, for yeah. a long, long time or? Well, my whole coming out thing was weird because not, not even weird. Coming out is just weird for a number of reasons, but. Right. Every, was, every person has their story who exactly. has to go through that. But like also coming out is just weird because why do we have to come out? Blah, blah, right, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right, Any to the who we're, that's not the world we live in. But I was so clearly gay when I was two, yeah, <laughs> you know, when I would come home from school and instead of wanting to watch, you know, Recess on Disney right. Channel, oh, I wanted I to watch Recess. Joseph or I wanted to watch the Cats video or everything. Yep. Um, so and then every time I was at the pool, you know, I was flipping my fins, not getting too far, yeah. if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, that's a Little Mermaid reference for the oh, heathens who oh, don't know. I got it. Um. But yeah, so like every, if there is a warning sign to be had, they were all there. So it was no surprise to my parents when I came out. And for some reason, it was a surprise to some of my peers when I came out. But looking Mm -hmm. back, I'm like, how were you not already (laughs) bullying me for it? Because it was so obvious. Right, right. And not to make light of bullying because bullying is awful and should oh, not abs- happen. Of course. But I'm also really, really lucky that I wasn't really bullied too much. The only mm. times that I really was was before. Pardon me. Excuse me. Yeah, um, I mean, these was co- this, before, all this carbonation from these cokes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even halfway gone. But um, <laughs> the only times that I ever really dealt with bullying for, you know, like the effeminate um, behavior that I had like when I was young was really only like in elementary school Hmm. when like even my peers didn't understand what being gay was right or understand why would you say your your community that you come from is like a pretty progressive like uh, mindful uh well I mean yes I would say that I also would say that by the time I came out my community had pretty much basically normalized being gay because I had classmates I had a I had classmates who were twins and they were the first people that I ever met that had two dads Mm. and Mm. I did not meet their their dads until I was in high school but when I came out um, my sister had just graduated from that same high school Mm. only a year earlier and you know my parents told them like told my sister like right away and right. she was she was really nervous that i was going to get bullied because mm-hmm. she had gone through that high school from you know i don't know 2008 to 2011 or mm-hmm. what however many years yeah. and then i started in 2012 and having just graduated not too long ago she was really concerned right but i think number 1 it was number 1 it was the community that i associated myself with within that high school because uh-huh. mind you was it a pretty big high school or? Uh, try my graduating class had 900 kids. Whoo, doggy. Wow. So that's crazy. 4,000 student body and still growing. That's crazy. Um, so it was a, already a pretty big high school. So I found my niche pretty yeah. early on because I just yeah. fit right in with the theater people pretty early or right. right, basically right away, right off the bat. And then, um, I didn't really, if there were people that I thought would, who I thought were going to give me crap for it, I just chose not to associate with them because I didn't have to. Totally. Um, Totally. 
So do you think that um, having having that, you know, I don't want to say like, uh, and, and um, because I don't want to try to like, you know, compare anybody's say, uh, stories, yeah. but uh, do you with your like relatively like pretty genuine uh, like easy easier experience of coming out? Um, do you think that that helped you with other things in life, or made things a little bit more? And that's kind of a broad question. No, I think I know what you're getting at. I would say definitely number one, uh, when when I was coming out, I was I was definitely really really nervous. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I was so nervous about was that I was still getting used to the idea of it before anyone else was. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that stems from the fact that I actually just didn't know other gay people until after I had come out. Ah. And I really didn't have substantial a substantial group of gay friends until I came to college. Yeah. And I think that also speaks to the community that I grew up in. Just because it was so huge that I, I just didn't know where to look. Right. But in terms of how my coming out impacted me, um, I would say that... I mean, when I came to college, I was very, very confident in myself and in what I wanted because I had been living with my sexuality pretty openly for a number of years by Mm -hmm. then for four years. Yeah. Four years. Um, So I felt pretty confident and I therefore had a lot of confidence in just who I was and what I wanted Mm -hmm. just out of life, you know? Um, Cause I'd say one thing that, that is very clear about you is that you, you definitely have your, your niche of what you want to accomplish in your life. I mean, you talk about your, um, you know, your, your musical theater history, uh, like library that you would, you would love to do at some point in your life and things like that. And it's very clear of like the things that you're passionate about. And I think that, I mean, I don't want to project, but I'm sure that, you know, being, having that place where you feel like you're very comfortable in your own skin pretty early on, or at least to an extent as we can't, as we all can be when we're, you know, still growing, uh, getting used to like who we are as individuals. Um, I'm sure that that must have, you know, helped you solidify the things that you want yeah, to do in your life. Definitely. And do you know, it's like actually kind of funny is that like since coming to college, my confidence in all sorts of things were actually completely set off kilter. Uh-huh. And I kind of came back to a resolution again coming into this year. Like in terms of my sexuality, I was like kind of set off kilter just because I was finally meeting other gay people uh-huh. who were expressing their sexuality in the ways that they do. And I thought, oh gosh, am I not expressing myself in a way that I'm supposed to to represent my community? Am uh, I not that's interesting. doing what the things that I should be doing that are common of gay men my age? Like what what am I doing? Right. But the truth of the matter is it's actually all about, again, what you want and how you want to express yourself. Mm-hmm. So for me, that means I want to, I mean, it's a joke, but you know, I want to, I would rather meet the Jewish prince of my dreams than go sleep with 500 right. one night stands, you know? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's absolutely no shame or shade or whatever to oh, people yes, of course. who want to express themselves in, um, Ways in a they, more open right, way. Right. This is just what I want. Right. Absolutely. So I got to ask and address the elephant in the room. Uh-oh. We've talked about this, but Uh-oh. I think the listeners need to hear somebody who's an expert on this topic. Oh, yes. Um, what are your thoughts on this cats thing? We haven't even talked about this, Josh. We talked about it a little oh, we bit. Did. We did. We yes, did. Yes. Yes. But I, I think that you have a very interesting um, outlook on this uh, new, wonderful, and terrifying, and uh, <laughs> nightmare-inducing Cats trailer. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite uh, YouTube uh, channels. Uh, the, this guy, he, he does this like box Wait, office is recap. Is it the video that you showed me? Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, but then there's also this other guy um, who does this box office recap show, and now they have this countdown two cats and each they do not yeah they do and each week they show like this is a different character in the cat's lore and like <laughs> here's where they came from and who played them in the original broadcast cast and who's playing them in the movie and like they do not they do and you it's, have to send this to I me i will it's so funny oh, it's so Joshua. great yes okay. but please okay because for all the listeners who don't know cats is a i mean sam is a cat's fiend so yes please yeah. unload I'm um ready. well I'll elaborate a little bit on this fiend business, but um, Cats is, I would say, my number one personal favorite musical. 
Um, it was the show that got me into the room to begin with. It, I grew up watching that video, and then I grew up ran the van ran the VC uh, VHS tape dry. Try two copies of the VHS <laughs> and a couple of DVDs. It. That's too good. So, and then I just and then. I like once I got into middle school, I realized, oh gosh, there's actually 20 different cast recordings that exist. Right. And there's, and then middle school is when I started to get into like finding bootlegs of shows online. And then I found this huge multitude of bootlegs of all sorts of shows, including right. cats, which just. But cats primarily. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, actually, that's just another conversation, but. There are more bootlegs of cats in foreign languages than in English than I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Well, because guess what? I mean, it makes sense. Cats is still running in Japan, and that opened in '85. That's, I believe. That's cats is still bonkers. running. Yeah. Um, Any to the who? So the cats trail. So I'm very well versed in all things cats, but um, with this trailer, I the first time I saw it, I saw it the day it came out. Um. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I yes, don't love it. Carry on, yes. But uh, in one of the videos that Joshua sent me, it actually perfectly encapsulates what's going on in this trailer. The imagery of the cat bodies in the trailer has received a significant amount of backlash, I would say. Yeah. And it's yeah. because they're this weird mixture of human and cat of human faces have on you cat ever, bodies. Have you ever read or seen Animorphs, the book? No. Any any viewers? Okay, so there were these books that were always in my elementary and like middle school libraries, oh. and it's essentially like these humans who can morph into animals. And the covers of the books are like those reflective things where it, like you like look at it from different oh, perspectives. Oh yeah, you like tilt it. Yeah, and one of them's like with a human person, and then one of them's when they're like in the Animorphs thing, and like it reminded me of that completely anyways carry on yeah well i mean that's kind of what's going on with this trailer because the the guys in one of this one of these videos that josh sent me actually describes that the trailer or the the cat bodies in the in this movie are actually not far off from what they were trying to achieve with the stage show with the stage show they're in these body tight like unitards that are painted and with leg warmers and arm warmers and big 80s wigs and everything to personify a cat body on a human body right and then with this movie they're actually just taking it a step further by digitalizing fur onto a human form and try and subtly adding feline features to a human face so that they can still emote with a human face the way they do in the stage musical now what makes these cat bodies in the film a little disturbing is because the feline features are clearly growing out of the human body. Right. Which is kind of, it relates to the uncanny effect that a lot of people are citing. Whereas with the stage show, because it's so theatrical, you're willing to forgive the line that, that is pretty clearly drawn between a human and cat body. You can tell when you're up close that it's grease paint. You can see the lace line in the wigging. You can see... The, the the zip on the unitard, you know? Um, and all of that is gone because in the film because it's all completely morphed onto the human body. Yeah. Um, so really, in yeah. terms of that, I would have much rather have seen an effort... Well, actually, I really don't know what I would have wanted. Instead, I just would have, what I would have wanted this movie to not happen. Yeah. But I think otherwise, <laughs> I think, I think, I think the do. score is going to sound terrific. I know Jennifer Hudson is going to sing the crap out of memory, as we Absolutely. already saw in the trailer. Right. And I, I also really admire that because this film is obviously in film medium versus stage medium, I like that they're taking the story to different locations. On mm. stage, it all takes yeah. place in one location. And I like that we're that we're seeing the cats travel to many different places in this movie. I think that's a really powerful storytelling tool. I also love, and this is the last thing. I also love that they're reframing this movie to actually be from the point of view of Victoria, the white cat Mm. in the show. Her role isn't necessarily clarified through text, but you can gather that she's a young one. She's perhaps not been to the Jellicoe ball before. And um, she, and she's very, very pure, but as we're going to see from this movie, I think I appreciate that they're trying to reframe the story to actually all be from her point of view. Right. As specifically her first time. 
yeah. think that's a really powerful tool. That is cool. And also, fun fact, one of Allie Lidbury's favorite musical theater characters. She played Victoria. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we are kind of getting close to time, but before we do, uh, you brought this lovely little book. Uh, I did. We did this our, our first time on the uh, first uh, try for this pod. Uh, it's a little book called It's a Musical, 400 Questions to Ponder, Discuss, and Fight About, Exploring Musical Theater Knowledge, Insights, and Opinions, and who better to do that with other than Sam Sanderson. So I'm going like to flip. my dream dinner party. I'm going to flip to this random page, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you five speed things. Let's see what you can do. Oh, go okay. to different pages. Uh, oh, of course, I'm going yeah. to. Get, yeah, just get ready. Okay. Ooh, pick a musical theater character and give them a specific superpower that fits them. Uh, Seymour in Little Shop. He gets a su- superpower. He can. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. Um, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to, mm, I'm not choosing Seymour. Actually. Oh, you could have had him be like x-ray vision or like. Why would he? Oh, he, Seymour gets he has... x-ray vision in those big blocky glasses that he wears. Perfect. That's Perfect. Seymour in Little Shop. Okay. There you go. Change the title of a famous musical so that it reflects an all gay cast. Uh, Cats is Cox. (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine. I can just imagine like the big mouth version where it's just a bunch of like the little like (laughs) fetuses that are just hopping around stage. Ew, I don't like that. (laughs) Except that show exists. It's called Naked Men Singing. That show exists. Oh, right. Yes. That's an off Broadway show. Oh, boy. Sorry if we just blew out your eardrums. Sorry. Uh, Name the Tony Award winning best musical of 2024. Say it with me, Josh. The Wave. (laughs) The Wave. By Ormatias, (laughs) directed by Chloe Treat. Oh, yes. Got to meet Ben Stiller because of that. Very jealous. Yeah. Uh, Name any musical in one sentence that describes the central point, not the plot, of the show. This is a good one. Wait, say that again? Oh, shoot. I just lost the page. Pick a show and then it says pick a show and then like put it into one sentence of like what the main point of that show was. Um, Not the plot. Hello, Dolly. The central point is to rejoin the human race, which Ah. is a line from the show. All right. Great. 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 Uh, Which what musical theater character would make a great Batman? What musical theater character would make a great I Batman? Well, like the fan of the opera, but also Ooh, that works. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say Stone in City of Angels. Wait, yes, that's a simply a much better answer. <laughs> Stone in City of Angels. Yeah, says Josh Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> this is a good one. You have to cast Donald Trump as a lead role in a musical. What oh. role? Well, I mean, I'd like to see Donald Trump play Roy Cohn in Angels in America, but it's not a musical. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, That's a good fun one. fact, Roy Cohn was one of Donald yeah, Trump's, Trump's mentors. mentors yeah. 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 So not a musical. Okay, let's pick a music. Oh, gosh. Just because I want to get drunk and watch this happen, I want to see him play Mama Rose in Gypsy. <laughs> yes, please. He would just lie the whole time. That's so good. I love it. Okay, last one. Here last we go. One. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to find a great one to end this. Don't make me think too hard. Okay, I it's won't. Late. I won't. Um, ooh, what's the coolest piece of musical theater you saw live in the past five years? In the past five years, what's the coolest piece of musical theater? I mean, I know what the most powerful one was, but I wouldn't say it was that, cool. That's that's fine. Like. The first time ever that I saw the most recent Hello Dolly revival. Yeah, why is that? Because I that whole evening just completely reminded me of why I love musical theater, mm. and it complete. I was just completely wrapped up in like a beautiful warm blanket the entire show, and I was just and I was like crying on the on the inside the entire night because it's just filled with so much wonderful theater magic. Yeah, like my favorite moment. I think we talked about this last time is like my favorite moment from that show is put is when the ensemble enters during put on your Sunday clothes, which is this very wonderful big noise um, ensemble number in the middle of act one. But in this 
particular revival that's happening, the entire ensemble enters doing this very simple promenade choreography across the stage, but they're in these beautiful costumes, very beautiful, colorful costumes, and they're singing very crisp and pristine uh, choral work, and it just completely elevates you out of... It just completely elevates you out of your seat. You're right. floating in your seat the entire evening. That and when I was um, at the closing night of the Cats revival, mm, because yeah. Andy Blankenbuehler was five rows ahead of me, that's, and he that's, choreographed that, it. Yeah. And then, like, also just because of everything that I love about Cats. But when right. I come back on episode three, I'll do my <laughs> actual Cats spiel. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like that's a great note to end this podcast on. I'm glad that we got to do a redo. I am too. Thank you so much for uh, having course, me once again. Of course, anytime. Uh, you are great, and you're I'm great. Gr- oh, oh, pff, psh, yeah. Psh, <laughs> psh. <laughs> but uh, I hope um, that Big Fish goes well for you. I can't wait to see it. Um, is there anything else that you want to plug before we go? Uh, nothing that I'm in. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. Yeah. Well, please come see Big Fish and. Support. Oh, I'm going to be a really good roommate. Please support all of the UP shows that are happening this year. UP is working so hard to create wonderful art this this year. So please support UP. Please support. Yeah, please support both shows. Please support student theater. Yeah. And please support your classmates. She Kills Monsters is coming really soon, guys. Yeah. And then American Idiot featuring (gasps) Josh Carter. Oh, stop. And not only me, there's a lot of great people in that cast, far more talented than I. And I am lucky to be sharing the stage with them. But uh, without further ado, thank you so much again, Sam. Uh, I hope that we will see you guys next week on the podcast. And as usual... Hope you guys grab a cold one, one of your favorites. Yep. Kick back and have a good day. Thanks, guys.